You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 86. Today's reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 2 through 12. Brethren, you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to our food and drink? Do we not have the right to be accompanied by a wife, as the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say this on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not speak entirely for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of a share in the crop. If we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? If others share this rightful claim upon you, do we not still more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Our reading today picks up where Paul begins to make a defense of himself, but I think it's a little disorienting without some context, Father. So would you bring us up to speed as we find ourselves in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians today? Yeah, of course I'd be happy to do that. And I think perhaps it's even more important than normal as it relates to today's reading because it's so relevant to the times that we've lived through and that and we even currently still live in. Uh, what do you mean by that, Father? Well, if we take a step back to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, because what Paul is doing here in chapter 9, from which you just read a minute ago, is simply a continuation of his argument in chapter 8. I see. So what was his argument in the previous chapter? His argument there is one that's rather famous in biblical and theological circles because it was an extremely important aspect of Paul's teaching. In chapter 8, Paul was dealing with what the Gentile Christian should do with respect to eating meat that was offered to idols. So, uh, speaking of context, maybe you can help us understand more about uh, eating meat offered to idols. That doesn't sound like something that probably most of us today would be familiar with. Yeah, right. That's why I mentioned mostly in theological and academic circles. But in Paul's time, meat was not nearly as abundant as a food source as it is today, at least for those of us in America. So, meat was not eaten all of the time like we we have it here. That's part of why uh, it was even more special in those days for some of the main feasts because on those days people would actually be able to eat meat which was for them a treat not something like today where we live in the heartland of the U.S. I remember one time a monk joked with me that uh, his family they ate meat not just every day but at every meal so eating meat was a treat at the time of St. Paul it wasn't something you did necessarily every day and the eating of meat then was normally done around some feast day, some type of celebration. So in the case here of the Roman Gentiles, with whom Paul's dealing in First Corinthians, we're talking about pagan feasts. So part of that feast would be offering the meat to the idols for them to bless it, these pagan idols. And, you know, very similar to how we ask God to bless our food before we eat. So the Gentile Christians 
having left paganism behind, having rejected idols, they have this question that divides them, and it divides them severely enough that Paul has to get involved. That's why he's speaking about this here in his epistle to the, uh, first epistle to the Corinthians. And the question is this, is the Christian allowed to eat meat if it's been offered to idols, or should the Christian refrain? And so how does Paul answer that question, Father? Paul says that in and of itself, it's absolutely not a problem at all for the Christian to eat the meat that's been offered to idols. And what is it then that makes it okay? Because the idol is not a real God. Paul's argument is that there's only one real God. Uh, The idol's nothing. In other words, Paul is saying that by refraining from eating the meat simply because it was offered to idols, it's sort of like you're giving that idol legitimacy. But to Paul, the idol's nothing. There is one and only one God the God of Scripture who has no image besides humans he created in his own image, and that God has no idol. So Paul just completely dismisses it. He says it's fine to eat the meat offered to idols. I appreciate the explanation uh, relating to eating meat offered to idols, uh, but I'm not yet seeing how that connects to what I read at the beginning where Paul was defending himself and and talking about his rights. Yeah, and that's right, because we haven't gotten to the meat of it, pun pun intended there. (laughs) Uh, Haven't got to the meat of of chapter 8 yet. Okay, well, so then what is the meat, uh, Father, the meat, uh, the central teaching of chapter 8 then? Yeah, as we said, Paul told the Gentile Christians that they had every right to eat meat offered to idols because the idol's nothing. It's just wood or stone, whatever it's made of. So go ahead, give thanks to the one and only biblical God, and then eat it for your nourishment. But chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians shows that we as Christians cannot just be concerned with our rights. It shows we have to be concerned also about taking care of others. We have to think about how exercising our rights might negatively impact others. And so that's what Paul deals with throughout chapter 8. How so? How does he discuss this and, and what are his conclusions? Yeah, so he begins by saying, of course, you have a right to eat meat offered to idols, but... If it offends your brother who's weaker in his faith and has a weaker conscience and thinks that you shouldn't be doing this, then you should abstain. And the reasoning that Paul gives for that is that you should not do something that you know is going to offend or bother your brother in Christ, even if you have a right to be doing what you're doing. And Paul points to the greatest example for the Christian, of course, Jesus Christ. And how does Paul use Christ as an example here? He mentions that Christ died for the weak in faith. Now, Paul doesn't say this, but obviously implicitly, we can say that Christ had a right to live. He was sinless, yet he chose to die for the weak in faith, for the ungodly. And so Paul picks up on that. And I want to read the last three verses of of chapter 8 for you. And I'm quoting here, Because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. It's the end of the quote. And I highlight the word therefore. As I pointed out recently, Paul tends to argue his case like an attorney. It's, it's always extremely important then to listen to what Paul says after the therefore. So let's hear it one more time. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. Thank you, Father. I I think this is making a lot more sense now. And in chapter 9 that I read at the beginning of the episode, 
Paul was arguing about his rights. He was arguing he had the right to marry. He was arguing he had the right to be paid so he could continue his ministry. And he mentioned several other rights he had, but which he did not exercise for the benefit of others, for the benefit of more people being able to hear the gospel message. So it seems to me from what you shared about chapter 8 that Paul is simply highlighting his own life and, and his own ministry and how he has been following that same principle he's trying to teach the Corinthians in chapter 8. Yes, precisely, Jason. That, that's exactly what Paul is doing in chapter 9. He's continuing from chapter 8, demonstrating to the Corinthians this important Christian principle that just because we have a right to do something doesn't mean we should do it. And more specifically than in this case, even if we have a right to do something, if it causes a brother to stumble, especially a brother or sister in Christ who's weaker in the faith, then we should abstain from doing it, even if we have a right to do so in the abstract. Very good. So and now you mentioned earlier that you, you thought this lesson was important for the times that we've lived through and we currently are living in. Could you explain why you said that? Yes, we've lived through, in some ways we continue to live through a global health pandemic. And among many Christians during this pandemic, there's been a lot of talk about what we have the right to do. And I especially, of course, speak of those of us living in America who have these constitutional rights and so forth that our country promises. So many Christians have talked about our right to assemble, obviously an important right. Others have talked about uh, a right not to wear masks or to not be vaccinated. And obviously, as an American, I think it's important that we protect and uphold people's rights. But first and foremost, we should be Christians, not Americans. So to say this differently, we should not be Americans who happen to be Christians. We should be Christians who happen to be American. And in that respect, it's been disappointing to me how many Christians have spoken only about their rights and not about their responsibilities and duties to their brethren, to their fellow Christians and other members of society. Because as Paul noted, we may very well have rights, but as a Christian, we should only exercise them in a way so as not to cause others to stumble or, in this case, to cause others to feel unsafe in our churches. And when I hear people talk about how those who felt unsafe were allegedly weaker in their faith, at least that was the implication, if not outright what they said, then I think about this passage from St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. Again, something considered by scholars to be a seminal teaching of Paul. And I think, you know, where did we go wrong? When did we become so obsessed with our own rights that we dismiss Paul's teaching to give up our rights, as Paul himself did, as Jesus did, to ensure we do not leave behind or cause to stumble those that we may view as being weaker in the faith? But I do want to end on a positive note. I was very glad to see Metropolitan Hilarion of the Russian Church come out recently and speak about how we as Christians, speaking specifically to Russian Orthodox Christians, but in broadly speaking, how we as Christians have a duty, we have a responsibility to care for others during this pandemic, how we often as Christians must give up our own rights for the benefit of others who are physically or perhaps even spiritually weaker than us. Thank you, Father. Today's discussion began by looking at the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians to identify the beginnings of Paul's argument in chapter 9. There we find Paul answering the question of whether meat offered to idols should be eaten by Christians. 
Paul explains that this is not a problem for a Christian because the idol is not God, and in refraining from eating the meat, you would give legitimacy to the idol. However, Paul goes on to say that if eating the meat would cause your brother in Christ to stumble, you should refrain. Paul is instructing us that even though we may have the right to do something, it does not mean that we should. If it will cause our brother or sister to stumble, especially someone who is weaker in the faith, we should abstain from doing it. The global pandemic has brought this issue sharply into focus. Do we focus on our individual rights only, or do we consider the ramifications of our actions on others? Which should be the priority? St. Paul and Christ himself teach us that it is the latter. Consider St. Paul's words from chapter 8, quote, And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish, for whom Christ died. But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat again, lest I make my brother stumble. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God.